Hi, this is Pastor Jake from Harvest Community Church. We meet on Sundays at 11 a.m. at 18511 East Hampton Avenue, Suite 204. We're located in the Movie Tavern Shopping Center next to the State Farm. You can check us out online at Facebook or on our webpage at harvestcolorado.org. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. Proverbs chapter 22. So if you want to turn there with me, that'd be awesome. Eventually we'll figure that we'll get the pulpit back out here, but this morning I just didn't have time. So, all right, Proverbs 22, verse 1 and 2, 8, 9, 22, and 23. I love the Proverbs, so let's read them together. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver and gold. The rich and the poor meet together, and the Lord is the maker of them all. Whoever sows injustice will reap calamity, and the rod of his fury will fail. Whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. Do not rob the poor because he's poor, or crush the afflicted at the gate, for the Lord will plead their case or their cause, and rob the life of those who rob them. What's the value of a good name? There used to be a commercial uh, when I was a kid uh, for Tombstone Pizza. And if you remember right, I know. uh, By the way, Tombstone Pizza today will destroy me. I don't know about you, but that sauce is just... I I can eat the entire pizza, but it will destroy me. Um, There was a commercial, and what it did is it said uh, there was a guy always facing... He had a blindfold on, a cigarette in his mouth, and the guys were pointing guns on him and says, What do you want on on your tombstone? And the guy in the tense moment goes, pepperoni and sausage. <laughs> pepperoni and sausage, they said, and they brought him out you know, the pizza to eat. But it got me thinking, what do you want on your tombstone? What do you want it to say? I always think about that from, from time to time. What would I want? There's a quote from uh, The Lord of the Rings where uh, Gandalf is talking to uh, Pippin. And he's saying uh, this, he's giving a description of what the life after this life is. Because Pippin's worried. He's worried about it dying. And he's like, and Gandalf's like, no, it's cool. I've totally been there. It's like this long, it's like this beautiful shore in a far green country. I kind of want that quote on my tombstone. But I thought about it for a moment. When we think about what's on our tombstone, what our life meant, do we want, I had a lot of stuff? Or do I want, I had a good name. See, the, the, the guy in the Proverbs here is giving us these general truths about what's most valuable in this life. And he's giving us the, the understanding that a good name exceeds riches. There's an incomparable value of a good name. He lists out two types of people here. One which is a, a self-identified or a self-given reputation. And they're motivated by gain and greed and riches and stuff, prestige. See, for them, gain is the goal. And by whatever means necessary to obtain these things, they will go after it. These types of people are unresting. They cannot sit still. They are insecure. They must have. Their entire worth is built up in uh, resting on whatever it is that they have done to gain the wealth for which they have. I think of Howard Hughes way back in the day. One of the, at one time was the richest man in the world, but was the most lonely of all people. 
could not live with other people. He had so much stuff, but had no love in his heart. Utterly insecure person. People who are after the gain, who are after self-made reputation and self-made name are uh, individualistic. They care only about themselves and what it takes to uh, build their brand, as we want to call it in today's language. They're hoarders. People who gather unto themselves so that they can feel good about themselves. They look and say, look at all my stuff. All of this tells you who I am and how awesome I am. They are the image of closed hands. This is a self-made person. This is a self-individual, a self-given reputation. My name is my stuff. My name is my riches. My name is my wealth. My name is my power. But there's another side. There's the identity which is God-given. You see, for those who are have an image or have their identity given by God... They are the complete opposite. At least they should be the complete opposite of the self-made person. See, giving is the goal. Dispensing of God-given resources uh, for the care of others. It is the open hands. Freely I have received, freely I give. It's marked by the ability to rest. You see, when your identity is not in the things that I obtain by my own means, it is something that God has given for me and given me everything I need. I can freely give because I have everything in Him already. It is an identity that can rest, that can just simply go, that's cool. It's, it's resting in the security. My success is not wrapped up in what I do, but who God says I am. I love that song we sing. I am who you say I am. What a great truth. The person who has a God-received identity can rest. Whether in success or in failure, they can risk much because they have everything they need in Christ. It's marked by a, a, a spirit of togetherness. It's marked by a spirit of community. It's marked by a spirit of wanting to be connected with others. Where the self-made man or the self-identity simply says, well, I am what I am because of what I have or what I identify with. But with God, it's, no, I identify with the one who has given me everything and therefore I can give everything out. See, in the scriptures this morning, it tells us here that reputation matters. You see, reputation will last far longer than the things that we obtain in this life. Our bank accounts will eventually go to zero. Some of us probably today. But eventually, uh, uh, our bank accounts will go to nothing. Our houses will go to somebody else. Our riches and our, our power and our prestige will no longer be ours. But our reputation. There's Howard Hughes. and What's his reputation anymore? We don't know. Was Mother Teresa's? You say Howard Hughes and you go, well, a guy who comes a hoarder and lived on his own life and, and well, he's dead. You think of Mother Teresa, you think of mercy, compassion, you think of Jesus. You think of a reputation that outlasts all the stuff. But not only in this particular path, these two, three passages today, we have that incomparable value of a good name, but we also have the blessedness of good vision. You see, identity influences vision. A person with a self-given reputation will most often see people as a means to an end. 
that will look at people and go, how can I use you to gain whatever I need from you? And then I will discard you. A person with a self-given identity will use others as resources, as stepping stones, an ego boost. These types of people will use others and do anything they can. They can excuse their behavior because the end goal benefits themselves alone. See, their identity helps them see people in a way that uses them as resources. It dehumanizes them. It sees them in terms of what they can do for me. Oftentimes it sows injustice. Treats others as less than. It's misplaced fury. And it often results in calamity. Not just personal calamity, but communal calamity as well. It affects whole groups of people. When I begin to see somebody as less than the image of God, then I can justify all manner of bad things. I can, my words and my vision can turn an entire community of people into a pariah based upon how I see them and convince others to see the same way. We see this in racism. We see this in classism. Rich, poor, less. My identity influences how I see people. It often results in personal and communal failure. Sure, in the beginning it might be, look like it was flourishing, but it's just a house of cards, a house built on sand. Eventually, it, you find itself destroyed. But the flip side of that is a person with a God-given identity will most often see people as equals, as co-laborers in community. I love when it says here, it says, The rich and poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. Vision, having a God-given identity, allows you to see people not as resources and as things or as uh, uh, stepping stones, but as people who are just like me. It sees me as co-equal because I don't have an identity that is made by me, but given by God. We are the same. I am an image bearer, not because I am white, but because I am given that image by God. My black and brown and uh, multicolored uh, people are all the same and on equal footing with me and I with them because we share the same image from God. God says the rich and the poor, the black and the white, the disenfranchised and the well-to-do are all on the same level playing field because God is the maker of them all. A person with a God-given identity will often see people not according to their station, their race, their gender, their title, but those who have been given identity through the loving presence of God. It's marked by a willingness to meet the needs of others in community. It says blessed. We like to think of blessed. It's kind of used as a catchphrase now. Oh, bless this or bless that. But this, in the Hebrew, it really kind of means this sweet spot. It just means that comfy place. You know, like when you go to bed at night, you flop around until you figure out that one spot, right? Where the pillow is perfect. And then you're in the, you know, you're cozy and you're like, that's the idea of blessedness. You're in the sweet spot. And when you have a proper vision of, of people because you have a God-given identity, you're in that sweet spot where I can give and give and give. I can see people as equals. I see them how God sees them. 
when we have the right identity, we see people as they really are, as God values them, we find ourselves in a blessedness. We find ourselves in the sweet spot. And third, it's the protection of a good advocate. When we have a God-given identity, and He changes our vision to see people as God sees them, as co-equals, as equal image bearers in the presence of God, it allows us to be good advocates for others. If you look at what it says later on in verse 22, it says, Do not rob the poor because he's poor, or crush the afflicted at the gate, for the Lord will plead their cause, and rob the life of those who rob them. You see, self-advocacy seeks to justify behavior because uh, the goal is obtaining whatever is best for that individual. Here in this passage, it looks like theft of the poor, oppression of the people. Anything is permissible because in the self is the only thing that matters. But a God-given identity with God-given vision allows you to be a good advocate for those who do not have one. The poor do not need us to judge them. The disenfranchised do not need us to, to point fingers at them. What they need is an advocate. Somebody who will stand in the gap for them. Somebody who will come in and say, Listen, you cannot treat this person this way. Because they are an image bearer of God too. See, other advocacy seeks to defend the defenseless, relieve the oppressiveness, step in for those who cannot stand for themselves. See, when your identity is based in God alone, you see people, like I said, as equal image bearers. It looks like loving your neighbor as yourself. Having the right identity, having a good name, having good vision allows you to be a good advocate for those who cannot advocate for themselves. Some people call it social justice. Sure, why not? Let's call it that then. Let's just, how about this? Let's call it stand up for those who God stands up for. If you notice in Matthew 25, Jesus says this very thing. He says, go to the, the hungry, the poor, the naked, the prisoner. He says, whatever you do unto the least of these, my brothers, you have done unto me. Good identity, good name, good vision allows you to advocate on the behalf of those for God. St. Augustine says this, You are filled and you are empty. Fill your empty neighbor from your fullness that your emptiness may be made full from God's fullness. You see, when we have His identity in us, when He has given us everything of His to us, we allow ourselves to be to see people as they really are and how God sees them and stand up for them when they need to be stood up for. So how do we do this? How do we obtain the right name then? Is it simply go to a class and figure it out? Is it simply, you know, go through a series of steps? The name that is uh, the good name, the good identity is not something to be earned, but it, rather it is something that is given. If you look at me in the scriptures, what it says, Jesus says, that, or the Apostle Paul says this of Jesus, that he became our sin, that we might become his righteousness. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He gave us his reputation, his identity. You know, the Bible calls those who have put their faith in Christ heirs with God. When Jesus died for us and on the, on the cross for our sins, he did not just wipe away everything, but he also refilled us. 
He gave us His name. You, those of you who have trusted Christ as Savior, you carry the very name of God. You are no longer Bill, Ron, Glenda, Addison, Jake. My name is no longer that. that. My name is image bearer. I carry the name of Christ. It's as if my last name has been changed. Like when we get married, you, uh, you take the, the, uh, the, the other name, however that works for you. We take Christ's name. He gives this to us and says, you are now mine. You are marked with my name. And when you go out these doors today, you go out as mine. You go out as my representative. You carry my name where you go. Because his name supersedes all other identifiers. I am no longer, there is no longer, in a sense, white, black, Hispanic, poor, gay, straight, whatever you want to say. Those are no longer the identifiers. We are now Christ's kids. We are now those who are found in him alone. We are, that is our identifier. That is the thing that we say. Who are you? What are you about? I'm a Christian. I'm a kid of the king. I carry his name. And his, make, his name makes us all equal in His sight. I love what it says that He, by His name, has broken down the wall of hostility between people. We are all in this room different, but we are all have the same name of Christ. Not the Christ, but He puts His name on us. We have His name now. We have His identity in us. So how do we do this? Well, we do that through faith. We trust in Christ and what He's done for us on the cross. And I dare say that most of us, if not 100% of us, have done that in this room. We are all Christ's. So, when it comes down to a practical level, I love the, I love the Proverbs because they're all about the practical. If we have His identity in us, then how in the world are we going to go out and actually bear the name of God in the real world? There are three things that we can do. Number one, and you can find them in the scripture that we just read. Number one, verse two, the rich and the poor meet together. Let's build community. And I think to some degree we do this really well. I think in this room we have built a community <clears throat> amongst us that is tight, that is solid, that if one of us was hurting or failing or something bad was happening, that all of us would show up at your house with a bag of groceries and a listening ear. That if something terrible had happened and you couldn't fix it we'd be there in a minute we have built a community in this place and that's awesome the rich and the poor meet together we all in this room are not we some could be considered rich and some could be considered poor but in this room we are all made in the image of god and that doesn't seem to matter anymore and that's a good thing it's no coincidence that god has built and knit this community together and we should continue it but there's work to be done outside of this as well. You all live in a neighborhood full of people who are not in community. And you as the image bearer of Christ, you as the uh, reputation of Jesus himself are being called into your neighborhood to be a beacon of community, to build a community uh, of people in your context. Some of you have lived in your neighborhood for decades and he may have never stepped outside to meet your neighbor. 
If we want to see the name of Jesus lifted high, if we want to see his name and his reputation glorified in our context, we must be willing to go into our neighborhoods and build community. Yes, they won't be like you. Yes, they may not uh, speak your language. Yes, they may not have your same ideals or morals or religion. But God is calling you to go into your context, me into mine, because I am just as guilty of this as anybody else, and build community. Secondly, we look at... uh, Verse 8 and 9, or, uh, well, I forget where I was at. Yeah, verse 9. For he who has a bountiful eye will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. Look, hand in glove, build community, eat food. The Bible's pretty practical on this one. There's something special when we eat together. You guys do it every Sunday. You guys go uh, and you eat. Sometimes at places that you guys don't want to go, but you go anyways. Sometimes it's a great place. Sometimes it's not. But it doesn't matter. You guys meet, for most of you, in a small group. You eat together. There is something communal and beautiful and community building around a meal. You guys do that already in your context. But would you be able to do that with your coworkers? Could you do that with your neighbors? Yvonne, I think of you all the time. You do that. (laughs) And I love that. Let's be willing not to build community. You've got to eat. He's always got to have food. So, would you be willing to take your meal to a neighbor? Would you be willing to say, hey, we're going to have a community barbecue. Hey, let's have a potluck. Let's just get together and, and, and build friendships and build community with each other. Build community, share a meal. If you run into somebody you don't like, share a meal with them. Find out who they are. Because soon after you do that, you'll realize that you're a lot more similar than you thought before. They did, that they thought before. Eat together. All right? And lastly, advocate for another. When you build a community and when you share meals together and you really get into somebody's life, you understand where they come from and what they're and how they uh, how they think. Uh, you understand who they are as a person, as an image bearer of Christ. And maybe, just maybe, they're living in a situation where they are a minority in some aspect. Would you be willing to stand in the gap for them and say, I will not allow others to demean the image of God in you? Whether they believe like you or act like you or or even look like you, would you be willing to say, but the image of God is in you and I stand up for you in that respect? We may not have to agree on everything, but oh man, I see God in you. Would you be willing to advocate? Because if we think about it, Jesus advocated for us. Jesus stood in the gap for you and I when we did not believe, when we were sinners, when we were far from Him. He stood in the gap when we didn't believe like Him, we didn't look like Him, we didn't act like Him. Our morals were way over here and He's way over here. He came down and became one of us. Jesus advocated for you. Therefore, we ought to advocate for others. I'm not saying that you should just, you know, blank check somebody based upon what they do and how they live, but that they are in the image of God. We must stand for them as well because Jesus stood for us. So, 
It's better to have a good name than riches. It's better to have His name in us and we might go out and build community, share a meal, and advocate for somebody.